glad you came to church today. Well, I hope after a few minutes you're going to say the same thing. For what I got to bring today, the meal may not be your most fun. This may be broccoli to you today. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway, it's good to see you today. But I do have a, a word that I want to bring to you. I come with uh, some trepidation today because... Uh, we're still in the series, uh, First Things First, so I'm, we've been at this for a few weeks now, and uh, we've been talking about this making commitments so that we can make it in life, and putting the first things, the most important things, first in our lives, and um, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible, it, it's, it's actually how the Bible opens, it says, in the beginning, God. Would you say that with me? In the beginning, God. Okay, well, that sets the tone for the rest of the Bible. In fact, that sets the tone for all of life. Life wouldn't be without God. And all that we experience in life really comes by Him, through Him, and ultimately it's for Him, including every one of us. And so it's really important that we live with that concept in the beginning, God. Jesus said it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Not second, third, fifth, twentieth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else that you will ever need in your life will kind of fall into place. If you get your priorities in order, so to speak. So we've been talking about this idea. We talked about loving God first. We talked about giving him the first part of our day where we spend time alone in intimacy with him. We talked about giving him the first day of the week. Congratulations, that's what you're doing right now. You're giving him the first, the start of the week, coming together with God's kids. And then last week we talked about making sure that we set the priority of prayer in our life. Paul said, first of all, Pray. So that's kind of a, that's a really big deal for us. Well, today I want to talk about first fruits. First fruits. Today we're going to talk about giving God the first of our income, the first of our resources. That if God comes first in my relationships, if God comes first in my faith, if God comes first in all the aspects of my life, that includes my income. That includes money. There I said it. And I want to zero in today on the first fruits of tithing. And let me just say, if you're visiting here today, I tell you the truth, I barely talk about this. So just, just kind of, if, if, if this is new to you, and I'm new to you, and all of this church is new to you, just know that I don't spend a ton of time on this, but I am going to talk about it because God talks about it throughout His Word, and we preach the Word of God here. I say we preach the Word of God here. Amen. So let me just begin by reading a couple scriptures that are going to get us started here, and this is... First one is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Solomon writes, and he says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the firstfruits of all your increase, or that could say all your income, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I don't know anybody that doesn't want plenty and I'm not sure if I know anybody that wouldn't like a little overflow in their life. And Solomon says the way we do that is by honoring God. How do we honor God? Well, among other things, it's giving Him the first fruits of our possessions. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, and he says, Now concerning the collection of... For the saints, which is what we just did. We took up offering just a moment ago. Now concerning collection for the saints, as I have given 
orders to the churches of Galatia. Look at those words. As I have given orders. Everybody say order. (laughs) So he says, as I've given orders to the church at Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. That's what we're doing here right now. When you come together as the people of God on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper or in proportion to your increase, that there may be no collections when I come. So, first things first. God gets the first of my cashola. Amen. And if you, you might as well buckle up. It's going to get worse. <laughs> Amen. So, Lord, we invite you here right now. And, Lord, I don't want in any way to say the wrong thing in the wrong way. So I just pray, God, that you would give me the grace to just communicate your truth and let it just rest upon our hearts. I pray for grace in this room. And I pray, Lord, that if this is an area of struggle in any of our lives, and I think all of us have struggled in this area, God, that you would help us to understand there's no legalism, there's no judgment. Because your mercies are new every morning. And I just pray, God, for truth and understanding here today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. So, as I see it throughout God's Word, there's different kinds of ways that you can give. There are different dimensions of giving. Uh, There's kind of a spontaneous giving. It's spontaneous giving is when you see a need and you have compassion enough that you just want to give to that need. And that happens from time to time. You'll see somebody on the side of the road or you know somebody in your life or somebody in church and you know they're in a hard place and you just want to, you just, you, you, it's not that you just want to throw money at it and, you know, just be on your way, but you genuinely care and you want to help them. And it's that spontaneous kind of giving. And that's good. That's in the Bible. Then there is also what we would call uh, sacrificial giving. This is when, You maybe don't even really have it to give, but you're willing to drive by Starbucks to save some money in order to be able to give to this need. You're you're willing to sacrifice your own pleasure in order to to help this person or maybe even this cause. You're willing to give kind of out of your need, if you will. That's sacrificial giving. And then there is what I think the Bible teaches also, and it's called strategic giving giving. And strategic giving is where it is planned into your budget, and you know that this is something you should do and must do because God has called us to be this kind of giver, to give consistently and strategically as well, sometimes as spontaneously and sacrificial, but it's part of our life, and we know that God requires it. And even more than that, we know that if we actually will do this, it will, the, it will yield a return that will blow your mind. We know that we're going to be better off in the long run if we give like this. And this kind of strategic giving is in part what we're going to talk about today in tithing. Now, I came across some statistics, so hang on. I know sometimes people check out when you read this or hear these things, but kind of hang with me. I, tr- I won't try to bore you. There are 247 million uh, citizen. Uh, Christian citizens in the United States of America. In other words, there are 247 people who would say, I'm a Christian. And out of that 247 million people, only 1.5 million of them actually tithe their income to the Lord. We know today that in Bible-believing evangelical Christians, uh, evangelical churches, that there are only 5% of Christians actually tithe their income in the kingdom of God. And of those who tithe, out of the 5% of those who actually tithe, who would call themselves church-going people, out of that 5%, 77 of them give way beyond their own tithe, their, own, uh, their first 10%. They, they give sometimes upward of 20% of their income. And what that means is a really small minority of people in the church are carrying the financial load of all the work of God. 
These are, these are real numbers, okay? So hang with me here. And so the fact is, most Christians don't tithe. And those of us who do, in, as Christians in church, we know that about uh, two people give in, in a very uh, general way, they give basically about 2.5% of their yearly income to the Lord. And these are church-going people. One, somebody crunched the numbers one time and they said, if everyone who called themselves a Christian tithed 10% of their income, there would be $165 billion more dollars available for the kingdom work. Can you imagine what you could do with $165 billion more in the kingdom of God? How we could, we could underwrite all missionary work right now on planet Earth. We could also begin to raise up people to, to begin to try to figure out how to bring water sanitation to all over the world because a great portion of the earth today, they don't have water like you and I have water. And there's not the sanitation of that. But, and, 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 you know, that we could figure out how to uh, solve preventable deaths and diseases. We could, what, you know, we don't need Elon Musk if the church would just tithe. I mean, I'm thankful for Elon Musk. I want to go to the moon. I want to go to Mars. But you know what? God wants, God wants to do a work, and I believe that he wants his church on the cutting edge of what needs to be done in the earth. And if that would happen, imagine what, would, what it would be like. I want to tell you, we have a council around here that helps us uh, spend and know where to invest our money. They would have to give their lives full time to figure out what to do with all that. That would be a great, great problem. But as I said, the truth is, most Christians don't tithe. And we're doing good to give 2.5% of our income to the Lord. But to be a genuine follower of Jesus and to be a, a genuine Christian means, and these are the words of Jesus, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So Jesus says, I, if you're going to be a follower of me, I want to be Lord over every area of your life including your finances. But what happens to a lot of us as Christians, we give our heart to the Lord, but we keep our wallet close at hand. And we're not as free. We'll give Jesus our heart, but we don't necessarily let Him have lordship over our resources and over our income. But Jesus taught us, and he taught us through a variety of parables. In fact, nearly half of all the parables that Jesus talked about, he used material possessions and money and resources as the cutting edge idea in those parables to show us lordship over every area of our life. Every area. Because it all belongs to him. In fact, Jesus taught... In Luke chapter 12, listen to these words. Jesus said, Here's, this is the way Jesus thinks about money and increase and possessions. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses or fanny packs or whatever you want to call it. Provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where, thief, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Listen to Jesus. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So Jesus says, if you treasure money, if you think it's your money, if you think you got to hold on to it and be miserly with it or hoard it to yourself, that's where your heart's at. If that's how you feel about your possessions and about resources in your life, then I don't have your heart. Your heart is in that. Jesus said, if you're going to come with me, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And part of that means, some of that means that he has to be Lord in my money. Amen. You guys okay? It's going to get worse before it gets better. 
So I want to talk about tithing because I really believe that tithing, giving 10% of our income to the Lord, is just the beginning point. It's just the launch pad to all other kind of giving where we are laying up treasure in heaven. And so I want to talk about this today, and I want to just encourage us in this idea of being a first fruits kind of giver. Everybody say first fruits. We talked about first love, first hour of the day, first day of the week, first prayer, first fruits, first of my increase. And this is in the Bible as we read about it. But if I'm going to be a a tither, if I'm going to be someone who is consistent and strategic in my giving, the number one thing we've got to do is begin to develop the habit of tithing. It's got to become a habit in our life. And you start a habit when you're, when you, anybody here have bad habits? I'm raising my hand up here. I have a, I've got some habits that I don't want a part of my life. But if I don't want those a part of my life, I've got to step into a realm where I'm going to stop those things and not do those things. And the same is true when you want to develop a good habit, a God habit in your life. You've got to step into it and begin to live it out in your life. And just begin to put it to work. And tithing has to be that. I cannot tithe based on my feeling. I cannot tithe based on looking at the number in my checkbook. I have to tithe in accordance to obedience to God. And to give to God what he said belongs to him first. And I've got to do it. And no questions asked. It's going to be a habit in my life. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to second guess it. I'm not going to look at everything and just see if this is a good week to start or not. I'm going to start it and I'm going to stick with it. It's going to be a habit in my life. And this is what God taught the children of Israel. I want to show you this in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. This is the Lord. He said, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year by year by year by year. You just don't, you don't ever stop doing this. You just keep on keeping on. You are to tithe the first part of all your increase, of all your income. And then he said in verse 23, And you shall eat before the Lord your God, In the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of the grain and of your new wine and of your oil, of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, watch, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The Lord says in the Living Living Bible translation, verse 23 says it like this, The purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. That's what the purpose is. To put God first in our lives. And when we're going to, if we're going to get in the habit of giving God the the first fruits and tithing to the Lord, there are some things that we have to do here. First of all, we have to understand what we're doing. Now, I've said the word tithe probably 50 times already. But somebody in the room may not know what I mean precisely by a tithe. Everybody say tithe. The word tithe is, comes from the word tenth. And tenth means 10% of. So what the Lord is saying to us, and I'm just going to break it down. I'm going to be really, I know this is going to be overly simplified, but I think this is really important. 10% of your income, let's say you only made $10 this week. A tithe of $10 would be $1, 10%. If you made $500 this week, then a tithe of 500 would be 50 And if you made $1,000 this week, and I'm praying that God will begin to do that in your life, then your tithe would be... A hundred dollars. And so, and what the Lord is saying is, the Bible says in Leviticus 27.30, it says, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's already His. It's not mine. What I get 
That tithe is just coming through my hands. It's just passing through me and going back to God because he said it already belongs to me. It's not yours to keep for yourself or to spend on yourself. It's for, it's for me, you to bring it to me. And so the Lord says the first 10%, the first fruits, not the third fruit, not the eighth fruit, not the 20th fruit, the first part belongs to me. It's mine. That's what the Lord says. And so he says, what you do, and here's how it works. To get into the habit of it. Not only understand what it is, but here's how it works. You take your tithe. What do I do with it? You give it to the Lord, right? You bring it to the Lord. Well, here's how Malachi said it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what the Lord said. Bring all, everybody say all. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So the Lord says, here's the storehouse. Now, what was the storehouse? Well, in the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple, the place of worship where people ministered to the Lord. And here's here's why that was. There was 12 tribes of Israel, and all of them got a portion of land. They got allotted land, but there was one tribe that never got any land, and that was the Levitical tribe, the Levites. And the Levites are the one who ministered in temple worship, and that's where the line of the priests came through. And so because they never got any land, the Lord said, I want you to bring the tithe into my house, and it will be distributed to the priesthood and to the Levites so that they could carry out the function of ministry in my house for for the blessing of the whole nation. And so when he says to bring it into the storehouse, he's basically saying, bring it into what we would call today the church. Bring it to your church. The place where you are being spiritually fed in your life. And this is what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 16 that we started out with when he said, he said, I ordered you, in other words, I instructed you on how to do this on the first day of the week. Everybody is to figure out what their tithe is, what the portion of their increase is, and to bring it and to give it to the church. So the Old Testament type of the temple where, and it was called a storehouse, is now the New Testament church, and we are the storehouse. This is the place where you are fed spiritually in your life. Or if it's not this church, find a church. Amen. Are you guys okay out there? So you bring the tithe to the church, the place where you're being fed. Now, some people don't tithe because they'll say something like, well, I don't get fed there. Well, that's probably because you don't bring the dough. (laughs) I waited all week to tell you that one. It takes a lot to work these things up. If you would bring the dough, you could be fed. But because you withhold, sometimes you don't feel fed. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But the tithe belongs to the Lord. The first dollar off of every $10 you make, that belongs to God. Where do I bring it? To the house. How do I do that? Well, some people are like, do I have to tithe? Do I got to tithe? No, you don't got to. You get to. Because, and see, this is, pro- this is part of the problem. People have a really negative and bad attitude from the get-go because when you start talking about money, you start talking about their money. Hey, I earned this. I made this. This is my money. I put all the effort and energy behind this. And so they, they get real possessive about money, and they don't realize that it was God. God said to the nation of Israel and to every one of us, I give you the power to get wealth. I gave you the ability to do what you do so that you can earn a living. And I just want you to remember always to put me first, even in your resources, so that you will always remember and remind yourself that anything that I have, it came from God. Everything. And that's why he said, I want you to bring it. I want you to bring it here. But see, sometimes we have this negative attitude about it, and that's why we don't give, because it's so 
it, it becomes so difficult and so hard to give. And there's nothing that can destroy a good habit like a bad attitude. There's no way that this is going to be a habit in your life if all I'm doing is like, here's how I give my tithe. <laughs> I can't do it. This is too hard. This is too difficult. Here's how Paul said to give. This is the, this is the attitude. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. <clears throat> Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion because Tim's up there preaching on it. For God loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful comes from our, our English word from that word in the original language is the word we get hilarious from. So God says, if you're gonna, when you give, I want you to give with hilarity, with joy, with exuberance, with excitement. Give with a heart of readiness and a heart of worship. And I want to just say this too about the tithe. Some people say the tithe is under the Old Testament law. Well, it was incorporated in the Old Testament law. But 430 years before the law, Abraham tithed. And then his grandson, Jacob, we know that he tithed. And that was 400 years before it was ever written in the Old Testament law. People were already tithing to the Lord. And you know what the tithe came from and what it was all about? It was all about worship unto God. It was all about saying, God is my God, God is my Lord. And Jacob said, because God's blessings on my life, because God has blessed me so much, he said, from this day forward, I will give to God a tenth of all my increase. And that was before the law. That was before it was written on tablets of stone. Why did they do that? Because it was a law in their heart. And they wanted to give. It was written on their heart that the first tenth goes to God. Amen. Are we doing okay out there? So, it's got to become a habit in my life. You can't look at it, look at your account and say, I can do it, I can't do it. Or go by your feelings. And I didn't. I don't think I said this, but let me do add one more thing here. Is that okay if I do this? I got to backtrack just a little bit. He said, "Bring all the tithe into the storehouse." Everybody say all. All of it is brought. All of the tithe goes into the storehouse where the food is, your spiritual food. Some people say, you know, I give you know, 2.5% to Abundant Life or, you know, whatever your church is. And I give 3% to my favorite charity and I, I, oh, and I have a missionary over there. I give, I give 6%, you know, just we'll, sometimes we'll, we'll parse out. I, it's my tithe. I can do with it. No, it's not your tithe. It's God's tithe. And he said, bring it into the storehouse, which I believe is represented by the church today. When you give to other things and other people and other causes, that's what the Bible calls offering. Tithe belongs to the storehouse. Offering is beyond and above the tithe. Amen. Bet you didn't think you'd hear this on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, what's wrong with me? So, if we're going to be a tither, we need to develop a habit and make it a habit in our life. No questions asked. Amen. Then once you make it a habit, here's the problem though. Some people say, man, I, I've tried, I've started, failed, tried it, things went bad, tried it, lost my job, tried it, this happened, and, and we just kind of... You know, we kind of sometimes get in a cycle and we try it. And then they say, well, I tithe sometimes. No, if you tithe sometimes, you tithe no time. Because tithe is 10%. 
It's 10% of your increase. So you can't just tithe sometimes. <laughs> Amen. So if we're going to make it a habit in our life, we also need to deal with the excuses for why we don't tithe. And that's where I want to talk about here just for a few minutes. And I don't have an exhaustive list here, but let me share with you some of the excuses that I've heard, some of the excuses that I've given in my life before. Some, some people will say, I can't tithe because I can't afford to tithe. And they look at their low income, sometimes juxtaposed to their deep indebtedness, and they're like, there's no way I can tithe, or I'll tithe when I get all of that figured out in my life. But that's not where it starts. You know, it's very difficult to give when you're so focused on what you don't have. If you constantly are looking what you don't have, it's going to be really hard to give. There's this Old Testament story. The, the man of God by the name of Elijah, God was feeding him by a dried up brook. Ravens, God was having rain. How many of you know that God can do anything? He doesn't need your money. He can have birds bring food to people. And so Elijah was being fed by these ravens, bringing him bread every day. And then the Lord said, the brook is dried up. I want you to go to Zarephath. I want you to go into Gentile country, telling the prophet of God. And he went out there, and he found a, an old widowed woman picking up sticks. And what she was doing was she was gathering sticks so she could go home and make a fire. And with her last little bit of meal or flour and oil, she was going to make bread. And then she was going to die because that's all she had. But the prophet shows up and says to her, hey, could you give me some water? Could you give me a piece of bread? And she's like, dude, if you only knew how bad off I was, you, wouldn't be, you would not be asking me to give you anything. I'm going to go home and make my last meal, and we're going to die because I got nothing left. And here's what the prophet of God said. I, look, I like how he first of all started out saying, could you give me a piece of bread? Then he says to her, you know what? Don't worry about it. Go home. Bake me a cake. It went from bread to cake. He said, bake me a cake. Now listen, this is in the Bible. He said, and give it to me first. The man of God. Representative of God. Right? Give it to me first. And I'm telling you right now, from this day forward, you'll never run out of flour and you'll never run out of oil. But you got to get this right. If you see she, what she was saying to him, I can't afford to do it. You know what he's saying to her? You can't afford not to do it. You're hurting. No. Amen. Here's another excuse people give. My little bit won't make that much of a difference anyway. They're not going to miss it. It's so small. And you, know what, you know what this really is? This is a poverty mindset that depends on other people to pick up our slack. Amen. Remember when Jesus was sitting at the temple watching people? Now this will clue you in how important this is. Jesus sat down opposite the money box in the temple, and he sat there purposefully to watch people come and give and how they gave. How do you like Jesus now? He's like paying attention to how people give. And he saw all these wealthy religious scribes and Pharisees and people coming, and they were giving because they had so much money, and they were so blessed, they were giving to God some sort of a portion of it. And then he saw this little widow woman coming up there, and she barely had two cents to her name, literally. Two mites. Less than two cents, our cents. And she put both of them in the box, and Jesus stopped the show. And he said, I want you to see something. That woman gave more to the kingdom of God than all the other people gave, even though it, it was on paper more dollars. She gave more because they all gave out of their wealth. They had way more to give if they wanted to, but she gave out of her poverty. Amen. Oh, I'm preaching up here today. 
Here's another excuse of why people don't, uh, or why not tithing. They say, well, tithing is under the law, and I'm under grace. Well, la-dee-da. No. Again, I want to remind you that tithing was going on 400 years before the law came into existence. Then Jesus said this. Now look at what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law like justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. When he said these you ought to have done, what was he talking about? The tithe. He said you ought to tithe. You ought to give to the Lord. You ought to. Come on, everybody say ought. He said ought. You ought to do that. But it's not better than or greater than love and mercy and faith and kindness. See, they were giving their money. They were giving their money to God thinking that solved all of their problems. No, that didn't, that didn't solve their problems. They were out of touch with love and grace and mercy. But Jesus said, you need to be this without throwing that out. See, if, this was a, if, if tithing didn't matter to the Lord, this would have been a great time for him to stand up and say, you know what, I'm erasing, I'm canceling out tithing from, from now on. But he didn't say that. Come on, church, are you with me out there? He did not say that. And by the way, let me just say this. Under the Old Testament law, and I didn't go into this in detail, but they actually were required to give more tithe than just the 10% of their increase in the fields. If you add up all the tithes that they were to give throughout the year, it would actually come out to be more like 20%. If you, read, if you add it all up in the Old Testament, And that was under the old covenant. But the book of Hebrews says, we live under, me and you, because of Jesus, under a new and better covenant. Come on, anybody here thank God for the new and better covenant? Now they were giving under the old covenant, the old covenant, they were giving upwards of 20% of their income. Under the new covenant, 95% of, those who call themselves Christian maybe give 2.5%. It doesn't make, that doesn't jive. I believe under a new and better covenant, I believe the giving of grace should be new and better. (laughs) Come on, church. Amen. This will all soon be over. Don't worry. Here's another excuse why people don't tithe. They'll say, you know what? All the church wants is my money. And I I just got to tell you, (laughs) you might be, again, if you're new here today, you're probably thinking, great, I show up on money day. I got to say this very clearly. God doesn't need your money. He can do anything. He, He doesn't need your money, my money. He doesn't need you to give him your money. You need to give him your money. You need to. This is for you. This isn't for him. He's teaching you how to put him first and how to trust him. And I'm not preaching this because we're in a bad way. We're blessed. I'm not preaching this message because we have this great need. I'm preaching this because we're talking about first things first. And the Bible says we got to talk about first fruits. And the Apostle Paul said, wrote to Timothy and he said, and he was teaching Timothy how to pastor a church. And he said to Timothy in chapter 6, he said, command those who've got money to put God first. He said, command like, you don't get out of this, Timmy. You've got, you got to talk about this because we all need to hear it. Amen. Now, I'm not after your money. And God doesn't need your money. But you and I need to give God our money. It's for me. Here's the final excuse that people will give of why they don't tithe. And it's something like this. 
well, what if it doesn't work? Or I'm afraid it might not work. And this is fear that gets into people. Fear-based giving is basically unbelief. Listen, God has promised that he would meet all of our needs. He told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else that you want or have need of in your life will be added. But when we refuse to tithe, basically what we're saying is, I'm not sure God is going to be true to his promise that he's going to take care of me. So we hold on to it. And no Christian says, I don't believe God. But we act that way. Come on now. Can I get three more amens out there? Nobody wakes up saying, oh, I don't believe God. But when I won't give tithe to the Lord and when I won't yield it to him first, I'm basically saying is, I don't think I believe that one. Do I believe I'm saved? Yeah. Do I believe there's a heaven? Absolutely. Do you believe God will take care of you? Well, I better hold on to it. Listen, God wants us to learn something. He wants us to learn that you will live better on His 90% than you will on your 100%. That's really what he's trying to teach us. Because he doesn't need it to do what he does. But you do. Amen. So then, once we make that decision that it's going to become a habit in our life, and we dismiss those excuses that sometimes prohibit us from stepping into it, the final thing that I want to talk about is now there's nothing left to do but number three, Discover, discover the blessings of tithing. And they are wonderful. I want to I read this to you. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, this is God talking through the prophet. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. In other words, put me to the test about what I'm saying to you right now, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open to you or open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Oh man, I love that. Don't you love that? God is saying, but I want you to notice what he said right when we started in verse 8. He said, will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And technically, they did rob God. Because the tithe didn't belong to them, it belonged to God. And I don't give tithe, I actually just return it to the Lord. It just passes through. Right? But when they held on to it and they didn't didn't give it to God, technically, they stole it away from God. But spiritually, and this is what I really believe God's wanting them to know. Here's what you did spiritually. You robbed me of an opportunity to bless you. In a a roundabout way, you robbed yourself of receiving God's miraculous provision in your life. Because you held on to what was mine. Amen. And so they were committing... You ever heard of highway robbery? They were committing Yahweh robbery. Try a little levity to keep, you know, the. So, what are the blessings from tithing? Number one, it reinforces your trust in God, it strengthens your trust in God. Let me just say this very clearly tithing is a trusting issue. If you trust God, You'll do it. If you don't trust that God is true to his promise, 
then you may do it here and there, but you won't be consistent at it. Because when it boils right down to it, what you're saying every time you say, this belongs to God, this is unspendable. I can't touch this. This is going to the house of God. This is going to the work of God. This is what God has taught me. And, what God, when, you, and when you do that, you're saying, I'm trusting God with everything else that I have in my life. And if I, because I gave that, can't get that, well, that can wait. Because God also wants to teach us delayed gratification. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say wait. Sometimes you just got to wait. Amen. Maybe if you don't have it, you don't need it. That's not how I feel about these shoe drops on Instagram when they come up. The Lord said, try me in this. Just put me to the test. Let me show you that I'll be good to you. That I'll be faithful to you. And on our money, we deal with cash all the time. And on every piece of cash that we have or currency we have, it says, in God we trust. And yet sometimes we can't trust God with it in giving it. And yet we deal it out every day, all day. Amen. So it builds your trust in God. Here's another blessing that comes from being committed to tithing. It releases God's abundance over your life. Listen to the Lord. He said, see if I will not open to you the windows of heaven. Pour out such blessing. There would not be room enough. Listen to those words. Open up. Pour out, not room enough. It's like God is just trying to get through to us, and He's saying, I will bless you. I will take care of you. You won't miss a beat. Now, things may break down, but because you've established me in the lordship of your finances, you're going to see things last longer. You're going to see things uh, repair themselves. You're going to see miraculous provision. God is going to step in because you're faithful. It doesn't mean that things won't fall apart, things won't break down, but God knows how to take care of you. He knows how to open up windows and pour out. Amen. And remember what, what we read to begin with in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Let me read it to you again. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, and your barns will be filled with plenty. Come on, anybody in the room want plenty in their life? I'm for plenty. Come on, I'm for plenty. People say, you're, you're a prosperity preacher. No, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I don't want to be a poverty preacher either. God wants us to have plenty. And then he says, your vats will overflow. Anybody in the room open for overflow? This is, I didn't write this. The Lord wrote this. So this is what I'll do. And then there's one final thing that the Lord says to us. He says, if you're faithful and committed to giving me the first part, I'll rebuke the devourer. Anybody, it's the last, yeah, rebuke the devourer. Anybody know that there's some devouring spirits in the earth, roaming the earth today? There are. Let me just all the, you remember that there was a phrase in here in, in verse 9. It says, he said to them, you've been robbing me of the tithes and offering. And then the Lord says, you are cursed with a curse. And I used to think, in my kind of immature way of thinking, I used to think that that meant that God was saying, because you haven't tithed, I've cursed you. And I don't believe that. Because curse exists in the earth. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord said the, the earth is cursed. It's cursed. And we know, according to 1 John, I can't remember, chapter 4 or 5, he says that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Curse abounds in our financial systems. Curse is everywhere all around us. We live in a world that is 
under a curse. And what the Lord was saying was, because you didn't put me first, you opened the door to the effects of curse in your life. It's not like God's looking up in heaven and saying, they didn't tithe today. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, because you have taken me out of your financial equation, you've opened yourself, and you've opened your, your home and your life and your finances to the devourer to come in and to eat away and to break down your life. And so the Lord says, I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll set up a hedge about you. I'll protect you in ways you didn't even know. I can't tell you, so many people after the first service came up to me after I preached and they began to start, one after the other, just start testifying of the times that miraculous things happened in their life. When they were faithful to tithing, things just began to show up. God just began to provide miraculously in their life. And there was no explanation for it. There was no way to figure out how does that work. It's all God. It's the windows of heaven, church. It's the windows of heaven. Amen. I guess that's my cue that we're supposed to stop. Alarms are going off everywhere. It, probably football is getting ready to kick up, right? Amen. Put him first in every area of your life and put him first in your money. If he's your Lord, let him be Lord there too. Amen, church? You guys have been great. Let's all stand together. Can I have those who are going to pray come on up front and we're going to be here today to pray with you. If you have any needs in your life, if you would like to pray about anything that we talked about even here today, maybe we, uh, you know, uh, we've been talking about money, and maybe you're in a financial situation where you need God to move. You need a miracle. Well, we believe that God works miracles, and we want to pray with you about that. If you need a healing touch or if you want to give your life to Jesus, let us, let us pray with you about that. I'm going to pray, and we'll be dismissed, but if you want prayer, please make your way this way, and we'll be here to pray for you and with you. Lord, we love you so much. And thank you for your kindness to us, God. You're so good. Thank you for your word of truth. I pray that the truth of your word would penetrate the hearts of your kids today and all of us. Not just beyond my own ability to say it, Lord. Just say with the things I couldn't say or didn't say. And I just pray for every one of us, God, as we leave this place, that we would know who we are. That we would go out into this world and make a difference, shine a light. Share your love with others. And even, yeah, Lord, be ready to give wherever you open up a door for us to give. And Lord, I just pray for blessing upon everybody. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.